Man, it is so good to see you guys. Welcome. If you're first time, first time in a long time, welcome to Better Life Church. Also, shout out to our Grayson campus. We are one church in two locations. We love you guys. What God is doing in that region is just amazing. And uh, it's just so good to, to be with you guys with this series called uh, Family Vacation. How many of you like going on vacation? Come on, get your hand up. You need one. You need a vacation. Some of you need another one, right? You just got back from one. Like, how many of you here that you like going to the same spot? You got the same cottage, the same condo, the same camp site, the same place. Like, this is your place. Like, you love this place. If you've been there, this is every time you go now, you know where like all the good restaurants are, not the food, big chains, like the little ones. You know what I'm saying? Like the hole in the wall. How many like going to the same place every single year? Come on, get your hand up. That's you. That's you. Awesome. How many of you like new places? You like to explore. You like something new and different every year. Come on. Okay. That, that, it's amazing because the second service, first service was the same way. They wanted, more people wanted new places. You ever notice like when you go to a place and there's certain places we like to go and we kind of know that place now. We kind of feel like locals. You know what I'm saying? Like we've been there so much. And, and you, you, you kind of feel out of place a little bit. You feel like people look at you like you're a little weird. You ever notice that? Like they know that you're from out of town. Not because all 17 of you have Kentucky shirts on when you go out to eat. Can I get a witness? Y'all right? know what I'm talking about. Like, where are y'all from? You can't you see? We're all from Kentucky. We love it. Like everybody, like even the, even the dog has like a Kentucky sweater on. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody sees that you are from Kentucky and you kind of feel like you're out of place. You're trying to fit in but you're out of place. And for me, a lot of times, a lot of times that people recognize you're from out of town because they can tell by your accent. Has anybody said that to you? Like, where are you from? I know you ain't from around here. Like, I'm from Kentucky and I'm proud of it, right? There's an accent and you kind of feel out of place. You kind of feel, feel weird. And then you start thinking about like us as Christians. Like, if you ever think about it, sometimes a lot of Christians are just weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just weird. Like, if you, things that we do, the patterns we have and and, and we come here on Sunday morning and we raise our hands and we stand and we sing. Like, where else do we go and kind of do that unless you're at a concert? Like, where do you, where do you kind of do that? It's like on Sunday morning, you know, like it's kind of like, you know, like weird. And the thing is, here's a world that we're trying to fit in. And guess what? We're different. We're supposed to look different. Like, honestly, Christians are supposed to be a little weird. Like, we're, we're supposed to stand out and, and stick out and look different. We're kind of peculiar. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something different about us. Why? This is not our home. Like, we don't belong here. Like, this place, this world is not our home. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. So we're, we're supposed to look different. And the sad thing is, the sad thing today, it's hard to see the difference between a believer and a non-believer. Like, Christians are trying to look so much like the world and trying to fit into the world and be part of the world. And we're supposed to be different. Not, like, mean to the world, but different. Like, God left us in the world when he saved us to win the world to himself. So we're here to represent him. But, the, but somebody's like, man, but the world is like, it's, it's wicked and it's vicious and, and I'm trying to be a good person. And, and, and doing that today just seems to be weird because you kind of stand out when you want to do the right thing. And so I thought about it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of families in the Bible that are weird. So if you're weird, you fit right in with a lot of families in the Bible. I'm talking like that is weird. But there's one guy, there's one family that really sticks out to me that I want to share with you today, his story, because I, I, when I read the Bible, I like putting myself in the position, like in that place. Like, what would it be like if I lived back in the day when they were in, you know, the situation or the story that you're reading through? Like, if that was you in the text, like, how would you respond? Now, obviously, post the cross, we know that Jesus came, he died, he got up out of the grave, and he forgave us of our sins. So we have a little bit different light from viewing the text, but back then, first century or beyond that in the Old Testament, how would you, 
have responded. And there's a guy that I think that uh, it probably lived a very weird life, a very weird family, uh, but God used him greatly. And I'm not talking about weird in a bad way. I'm talking about weird in a good way. How do we live and become a weird family that pleases the Lord? And so I want to I share with you this story found in Genesis chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 6. If you have your phone, I'm using the New Living Translation. You can follow along with me. But in Genesis chapter 6, we learn about this family kind of a weird family, and God used them greatly. And I, I want to jump into this text because I think this guy named Noah, you may have heard of him before. He kind of built this kind of small boat and stuff. You may have heard of him before. It, it's, it's a weird kind of a family, weird dynamic. And here's what I mean in a, in a good way. So look what it says in verse eight. It said, but Noah found favor. Like he found favor with God, with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked close fellowship with God. Could you imagine that? You're the only Christian on the planet. Think about that. Put yourself in the story. Like you're the only person, the only good person in the corrupt world. You're the only good person on the planet. That's Noah. Look what it says. He was the only one who was walking with the Lord and living a blameless and a righteous life. Verse 10, Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt, was filled with violence, and God observed all this corruption in the world and with everyone on the earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, the only righteous, blameless person, I'll talk about what that means just in a moment, the only righteous, blameless person on the planet. He said, here's what I've decided to do. I've decided to destroy all the living creatures, that have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with all the earth. Now you think about this. You know, you're just chilling. You've been living your life, trying to do things that please the Lord. And all of a sudden God speaks to you and says, listen, you're the only righteous person, the only blameless person, the only, let's just go today, Christian, if you want to say that way, Christian, on the face of the planet. It's becoming wicked. It's violence and all this stuff. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy it. And you're like, What? Like me, like you, you I, I'm the only one that's following after you. Like I'm the only one that wants to do what you want me to do. He said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I want you to go build an ark. And man, he told him how to build it. He gave all the dimensions, all the right sizes. You know, they didn't even have common core math and he still figured out. You know what I'm saying? Like he figured all this out. Here's the triangle, the isosceles triangles. Here's how you're gonna build all this. And he does exactly, like how did he know to do that? Like how could he build, he, how could he build such a huge flotation device, if you wanna put it that way, and be perfectly the, exactly the way God, because God is such a detailed God. God is exactly how he wants. God has all the laws. That, that govern everything. Lord, the Lord knows it all. He said, here's exactly what I want you to do because I'm about to make it rain. And I'm gonna make it rain and it's gonna rain, bro. And you're gonna make sure that you have a place for you and your family and all these animals on this big, massive boat that you're going to build. And you know what verse 22 says? And Noah did everything, like everything, everything exactly the way God had commanded him to do. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. Every single thing, exactly all the way to the T, how to build it, what the shape to make, and all this stuff, an exact same size. So I knew 
that I was going to be preaching on this passage, you know, at the end of the month here. And so the first of the month in, in June, we took the staff up to the Ark Encounter. We went and visit Noah's Ark. Has anybody ever been there before? If you got, raise your hand up. If you've been there before, seen the Ark. Awesome. Great. Listen, if you've never been there, I want to encourage you to go. Now, listen, I, I don't get like free annual passes for to do that. They don't send me like some Ark Encounter, you know, t-shirts to wear. They're going to make you pay $19.99 for it. So I don't get anything free from that. It is worth you to go because they built this massive boat, the exact same size as God told Noah to build it in the Old Testament. And so we went, we took the whole staff. We got a picture here. You see all the staff were sitting from this big, massive boat. And I'm telling you what, when you just drive upon it, when you just walk towards it, I'm sitting there going, could you imagine Noah? Like, this is crazy. He tells me to build this boat in the exact same size and how big to make it and all this stuff and the ramp and where to put all the animals and all this stuff. And so we're here walking on this boat and it was awesome, man. I mean, it was such a great experience. It kind of, And inside, they kind of gave, you know, they don't know exactly how some of the inside side would have worked and where they would have put like, you know, certain animals and things like that. But they kind of gave us great ideas of how it would work because it was just fascinating. But there was one spot, it was on the second floor. They had this TV on the wall and it's called, it was kind of a show they put on. How You know this, right? If you take kids and you go to theme parks, it's amazing when you're younger how you always want to ride the rides. But now as you get older, you're like, where's the shows, right? Where are the shows? I want to sit down. I want to be AC. I want to cool down. I don't want vertigo, so I'm not going to be riding any rides. And as you get older, your back begins to hurt. So you just want your kids to come in and sit with you and watch a show. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so we're on the second flight and everybody's been walking around for days on this place. And they have, a, they have this TV on there and they had, it's called the interview with Noah. And so, you know, we were taking a break. So we sit down just like everybody else, you know, and we sit down and we're watching this interview with, with Noah. And it was a fake kind of what would have happened if Noah was interviewed by the newspaper. And so they had like, like, like the, the daily prophet, they come in and they sit there and they said, we're going to interview Noah. And they had the big boat in the background and they started to look very sarcastic. The, you, you know, media doesn't do that. Y'all know media is, is always righteous. And so they're very sarcastic and they're saying, so tell us about this big boat that you're building. And so Noah's like, well, God told me to to build this bow and he's very nice and you know just you know carrying on a conversation and they're sitting here making fun of him and they're saying well like how are you gonna get like all the animals on there like I mean how's that gonna work and and like who's gonna like like take care of, uh, of the stalls and clean the stall out well that's gonna be Japheth because I ain't doing it you know what I'm saying sham y'all got that I ain't cleaning out no stalls like and they're making fun of him like so you really say God told you you mean God said it's gonna rain and they're you know and all the sarcastic stuff going back and forth and then you, you think about for a moment put yourself in in the Noah's position. You're the only righteous person on the planet in your community. And everyone's making fun of you. Everyone's saying, you're weird. Why in the world would you be, waste your life and your finances and everything to build this massive big boat in the middle of nowhere? Has anybody seen a lake around here? Like, where are you going to float this day? Could you imagine the ridicule, the negative publicity, the insults, being made fun of for doing what God tells them to do. Does that ring with us today? You see, we don't want that to, and, and, and we, don't, we, don't go, we don't go out and purposely trying to be mean people. In fact, we're supposed to be weird in a good way, like when people hurt us, we forgive them. When people wrong us, we bless them. That's weird in the world. Like everybody gets, people get so it's like, I can't believe bad things happen. We should get excited when good things happen on this planet, when something good just happens. Because folks, listen, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And violence will get worse and worse and worse and worse. And guess what? He already told us this. 
And every one of us, we're trying to make this place a better place. I mean, all the time when I talk to people I haven't talked to in a long time, I say, hey, what's up, Daniel? What's going on? And I always say this, man is trying to make a world a better place, one person at a time. And I'm going to do everything I can to make this place. Like, when someday when we're gone or someday when you leave, like, is this city and your city and where you're, would it be a better place because you were there? How are you making it a better place? We all have that mission, right? To make it a better place for our kids and our family and, and for growth and economics and all the things that go with it, right? Trying to make it a better place. But Noah, man, you're weird. Why would you waste your life and your time and your family resources in building this massive boat? And so how do you, how do, you do that? How do you become weird in a good way that pleases the Lord in such a world of violence? And such a word of hatred. And such a word of a division. And I'm talking about just our country. I'm talking about the world. Like, how do you do that? How does that happen? So there's a few things I want to point out to you that if we're going to be a weird family in a good way, right? In a good way that sticks out in the world. How do, what do we got to do? Well, here, here's the first thing I want to encourage you. We got to live right. We got to be people who live right. That we do the right things. The Bible says that, that Noah was a righteous man. Now, I'm going to tell you just in a moment what made him righteous. I'll get to that. But righteous just really means that I'm right with God. I'm righteous. Not that I'm perfect. Not that I have reached perfection. It just means that I am right before God. Well, how do you make yourself, how do you get right before God? I'll, t- I'll talk to you about it just in a moment. But Noah was a righteous man. And because he was right before God, watch this. He lived right in front of people. Do you know people watch you everywhere you go? Everywhere you go. People watch you. And it's really easy when you get in front of some people that you try to put on your watches. We know this, parents, your best behavior, right? Now, listen, we got company coming over and you sit all the kids down and we, you better be on your best behavior. And if you don't be on your best behavior, I'm taking everything away from you, right? Come on, parents. We try to scare the kids into being good. <laughs> you know? Or we go to a restaurant. You better be on your best behavior. Or you come on church on Sunday, right? And, you're, and hell is breaking loose in your life and all the things, but you've got to come in and be on your best behavior. You put your face on the church face on. Everything's good. No, everything's great right now, right? You know what I'm talking about. And then you go back out and you get into the car and then all of a sudden like shut up kids <laughs> like, you're, like we're on a taco bell i don't care what you say like i mean you're just like you're like dad did you listen to the sermon <laughs> please don't ever say that to your dad like that especially right after church don't ever look at your wife and say honey did you listen to what he preached about he's talking about you it will not go well with you if you do that so i'm giving you a heads up you know don't do that but watch this are we living right in front of the people around us when we go to work how do we live at work when everyone's trying to cut throat and get to the top and they gossip about people just so they can make it to the top, become the boss, become the leader, become the manager, but then you try to do it backwards and do it the right way, God's way, with compassion and kindness and love and gentleness to elevate. But no, that's not how you get to the top. If you're going to get to the top, you got to do it like this. So you might have to, you might have to fudge a little bit here. You got to do a little bit of things here because you're trying to get to where? But see, as Christians, we're to live right in front of other people. When you go to ball games. When you go to restaurants, when you go out shopping. But then what happens is we try to put on our best behavior when people are around, but then when we go home, we kind of take that mask off. And then all of a sudden we show who we really are and we take it out on the people we love the most, like our wife or our husband or our kids. See, people are watching you. I never forget when I gave my life to the Lord, just gave my life to the Lord. And you got to understand, man, God radically saved me. I lived like a hellion and God radically changed me. And I'm talking radically changed me. I mean, 98% of my vocabulary ended, bam, just like that overnight. I mean, radically changed me. And I had a guy come up to me in our dorm room and he said, hey, Vinny, he said, man, I heard you're going to church now and you're a church kid and all this stuff. And he said, but basically he said this, he said, I want you to know, you can't live this lifestyle. 
and I'm watching you. And when you mess up, I'm gonna point it out and show you that you can't, be, you can't live like this because he knew where I come from. And the reality is, you know what? I can't without Jesus. But people are watching you everywhere you go, at work, at school, it does not matter. And here's my question, are you living right? Are you living right in front of people that draws them to Jesus or makes them run away from Jesus? Because there's some weird Christians that make people run away from Jesus. But I'm talking about if we were walking in the spirit and we lived right with God and I mean, right before people, how would it draw people to him? So Noah was a man who lived right before the people, but he didn't only live right before the people. Watch this. He also lived right before God. It's one thing to come in here and put your, your best behavior on, right? You go to work, put your best behavior on. Go, you're in front of people. You better bring your A game. You know what I'm saying? You bring your best behavior. But what about behind closed door when no one's looking? Because that's who you really are. When no one can see you, how do you respond then? You see, it's one thing to live right before the people, but you could fake that. How do you live right before God? Because God knows every single thing about you. He knows the words you're about to speak before you speak it. He knows every thought, everything in your life. He knows everything you do before you do it. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to teenagers about this, but I want to apply it to you. I said, could you imagine if Jesus just came down and like hung out with you for 24 hours? Like Jesus is going to come chill with you. Like he's just going to come. He's going to do whatever you do. You go play ball. He go play ball. You go to the movie. He's going to go to the movies. You're going to clean a house. He's going to clean a house. You're going to go shopping. He's going to go shopping with you. You know what I'm saying? Like everything you do, he's going to go with you. Imagine if Jesus went with you every single place you went for one solid day, how would your life change? How would your mouth change? Some people call you, yo, dude, we're going to watch this movie. You need to come over. I mean, I can't watch it. Man. I got Jesus with me, man. I got Jesus. Can't watch that. Jesus, can't, I got Jesus with me. Can't, hey, turn the radio off. We can't play that music when Jesus is around. We got Jesus with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, like now my life looks different. Like, I can't go there. I, I can't club tonight. Man, I got Jesus with me, man. So why y'all partying tonight? I can't party tonight, right? I mean, you, your life would change because you got his presence with you. But guess what? He's with you everywhere you go now. Everywhere you go. Every place you go, he is with you. Every single place. If you will begin to practice the presence of God, watch this, knowing that I'm gonna live right in front of him, you'll begin to live right in front of other people. And Noah knew that. So Noah was weird. Why? Because he lived right. He did the right thing. He always tried to strive to do. Was he perfect? He was not perfect. He wasn't a perfect dad. He wasn't a perfect husband. But he did what was right. And see, if we're going to be Christians and men and women of faith, we need to live right in front of a world that may get more chaotic and get wicked, but we live right. We do the right things. We help the people need to be helped. We show love. We show compassion. We're different. We're supposed to be. So live right. Not only should we live right, but watch this. We should walk right. Now, what do you mean by walk right? It says that Noah was righteous, so he lived right. But then he said he was blameless and he walked in fellowship closely with the Lord. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be blameless? He wasn't sinless. He was blameless. That no accusation could be brought against him because he dealt with the problem when it came. That's why I believe in rapid repentance. When you sin, when you blow it, confess it. You see, he's made right with God, so he's righteous, but then he's blameless. 
When I put my faith and trust in Jesus, it makes me right with God. I can't earn it. I'm not good enough. My works are not good. I, can't, I can never be good enough to earn God's favor. God knows that, so he sends his son Jesus. And now since I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that makes me right with God, not on my works, but what he did on the cross. So now I don't have to earn it. I can't, I can't try to be good enough for it. Strive for perfection. Be perfect Christian, because there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. So I, I made right with him, but then I can walk and be blameless. First John 1, 9 says, when I sin, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so I'm gonna walk with him in fellowship. So Jesus makes me right in the family. I'm adopted son, your adopted daughter. But now I confess my sins after I'm saved, not to make sure I'm saved again, not to reiterate my sonship, but my fellowship. Because sin will break your fellowship with God just like that. That's why when you blow it, confess it. So Noah was right before God, but the reason he walked blameless because when he blew it as a dad, as a husband, as a boss, telling his kids what to do and build his boat, when he blew it, he always made it right before God. He always confessed it, which made him blameless. And he walked. How do you walk with God? How do you do that? Well, one, it's just what you're doing right now. Like, I'm, I do not believe you're here by mistake. The reason you're here at the Grayson Campus or watches online is because God drawed you here. Nothing within you wants you to do the things of God apart from the Holy Spirit. So you just being here today means that God woke you up and wants you to be here. There's something he wants to speak into your life. Not so you go, okay, well, we checked off church today. We got that out of the way. Let's go. No, no, no. He has a word for you. That's why you were here. He drawed you to himself. So this is one way. Just to begin to listen and, and show up. Maybe jump in a group. Read your Bible. It's the number one way God wants to speak to you. Start to pray. Talk to God. Like, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to talk with him. I'm going to learn about him. I'm going to meditate by listening to his word. Get in his word and meditate and listen to his voice as he speaks to me through his word. So listen, you have the power to live right because of the Holy Spirit in you. You have the power to walk with him because of the Holy Spirit that's within you. And so he's like, man, that's kind of weird. It is. It's different. But could you imagine if all of us in our community here of faith, we lived right? Just always do the right thing. We walked right. We were walking with the Lord. Could you imagine what our communities would look like? Could you imagine what your city, wherever you're watching from, would look like? Could you imagine our family trees, how we would change our family trees when we just live right and walk right? It sounds so simple, doesn't it? But when you're in a world that's growing in violence and growing in wickedness and trying to conform you to the world, it's like I said, today, it's hard to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. You follow Jesus? I didn't know you followed Jesus. How, how do you know? Because we gotta be a people of God who live right and walk right. But the third thing that Noah did is that he obeyed God fully. Not only did he live righteous and he walked with the Lord, but he obeyed God fully. He did everything. That's what it said in verse 22. He did everything that God commanded him. Everything. Everything. 
He didn't go off track. He didn't go AWOL. He did everything. He didn't say, hey, God, you know what? I think we need a little change a little bit on this boat you built. I think I need like, like I got to have my own room. I got to have a master suite, you know, for me and my wife over here. I like to have some running, like, you know, like a toilet over here on the side. And you know what? Can we get rid of the cats? I don't want the cats on the boat, dog. Can we get rid of, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, can I do my own thing? He did not. He did exactly what God said to do. To the T. He followed every single instructions. What does God ask you to do that you haven't obeyed him to do? What does he ask you to do that you haven't obeyed him? Have you fully obeyed him? For instance, I mean, if you've already given your life to Jesus, the first command, the first command after you give your life to Jesus is to be baptized. Have you been baptized? What are you waiting on? And you're wondering why you feel like you have broken fellowship with God. Not that it saves me, but it's a command. Follow me in believers' baptisms. You need, listen, what a better time. Barbecue and fireworks, are you kidding me? Like fireworks at your baptism, that's pretty sweet, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just thinking, why am I not stepping out and just fully obeying him? Maybe he's told you to forgive that person that hurt you, but you won't do it. Are you obeying him? Maybe he's want you to go back to school, start a new job, uh, move to another city, start that business. You know, I don't know what he's calling you to do, but he's asking you to step out. Have you stepped out and said, I'm going to fully obey you in everything you tell me to do? And I'm not just talking about like the Ten Commandments. I mean, come on, that's like the lowest of the totem pole, right? I mean, love people and keep your, this is your spouse and don't kill nobody. And I'm, gonna talk, I'm talking about when he speaks and whispers in your life and he says, go bless that family in need. Are you fully obeying him? Well, God, I don't have the resources. I'll get you the resources. Just obey me. But God, I don't know how to do all this stuff. I, you know, will you step out and serve? I want you to start serving me because I want to use you in a great way. So I want you to sign up and, and start serving in a community and, and at your church and your local body. I don't know if I have the skills and the gift sets. I don't know if I have the time. No, no, just obey me and I'll make sure you have everything you need. Now, could you imagine? Just think about this. Every one of us, we're living right at work, at home, at school, we're walking right with the Lord. We're in step and step with him. We sin. We're not perfect. We'll sin. We'll blow it. We confess it. Boom. Our fellowship's restored. And whatever God tells us to do, we do it. What would you think our city would look like? What would our schools look like? You're like, man, but I, I, I'm just one person. I can't change my workplace. Oh, yes, you can. I'm just one student. I can't change my school. Yes, you can. You can make a difference. He was the only Christian on the planet. When you say I'm one in a million, you're one in a million. You know what I'm saying? It's it. Which we don't know how many people, I don't know how many people are living at that time. But he was the only one. But he said, I'm going to live right. I'm going to walk right. I'm going to do everything that God has called me to do. And then here, here's the last one. Here's the last one. I'm going to trust him completely. I'm going to completely trust that God is in control, that he is sovereign and what he says will come to pass will come to pass. I'm gonna trust him completely. Now, when you read through the text, and as I went and visited the ark, it's debatable on how long it took Noah to build this big, massive boat. I think he was somewhere around 500 years old and ended when he was 600 years old, I think, or something like that. I have to go back and 100% look at it. But the reality is, some scholars believe it was somewhere between 70 and 100 years. There's some camp that think it took 120 years, but minimum 70. 
70 years. Would you have trusted God completely with a minimum of a 70-year task? Let's put it in perspective. You have a ministry. And for 70 years, I stand and I preach over and over and over. And I give an altar call every single time. And not one person responds to the gospel. Not one convert. Not one person comes forward. Not one person believes me. Not one person is saved. 70 years of preaching and living right, walking right, fully obeying, fully trusting, and seeing no fruit from it. Would you have trusting? Or you said, man, I'm tired with this job. Throw the towel in. I'm tired with this marriage. Throw the towel in. I'm tired with this. Throw the towel in. Because you didn't continue on. Just holding on, trusting, 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 trusting. 70 years. And then it stood out to me that the only people who believed him was his family. And when I read that, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. As a dad, as a dad. Would I have lived right, walked right, fully obeyed, trusted completely that my son says, Dad, as you follow the Lord, we will follow you. Noah must have been so righteous before God and so blameless in how he lived that his family says, you know what? We haven't heard from God, but Dad, we trust that you have. And because of you and how you live, we will follow you. And we'll dedicate the 70 years of building this or 100 years. It's not a Father's Day message. That was last week. But dads, how, do we, how are we living moms, dads, that our kids go, you know what? I will trust the Lord. Because how you live. Because of what we see. Because of the generation that's coming up behind us. And it said in Hebrews eleven six, and it is, this is Hebrew 11, right? The hall of fame of faith, you know, Moses, Abraham, and all the great men and women of God. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists, that God exists, and that he rewards those who will sincerely seek him. For it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. So we got the story in the Old Testament, but now we got the New Testament talking about picking this up. And he obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before, which what? God flooded the complete earth. And by his faith, no one condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. So the Bible just told us, what made Noah right with God? It was his faith. What makes you today right with God? It's the same thing, your faith in his son, Jesus. Not your works, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is your faith that makes you in right standing with God. And one of the things that really caught my attention when I went and visited the ark I was walking by and there's a bunch of people in line taking pictures so I didn't jump over or take a picture or anything. 
was how big the doors were. These doors were ginormous. If you go visit, make sure you pause for a moment. I want you to look at those doors. They were ginormous, like a giraffe could walk through this door. And then I was reminded of Genesis 7. I want you to listen to what God says. It says, then, then, the Lord closed the door behind them. And as I was standing there on the ark, I, I pictured the doors open and everybody comes in and then all of a sudden the Lord did it. Not Noah, not Ham and Sam and Japheth. The Lord closed the door and I thought, why did that, do, why did it happen like that? I think God did that for the righteous, blameless man that he found favor on. Because if Noah and his son closed the door, by day 10, or by day five of the rain, they would have heard, Noah, we believe now. You wasn't crazy. You wasn't a weirdo. I, I believe. It's raining. Open the door. Hey, let us in. Hey, save us. Because I promise you, I guarantee you I wasn't there, but I bet you that happened. I believe now. And God spared Noah from having to carry the weight on his conscience. That everyone who made fun of him, that everyone who thought he was weird, that everyone who, went, let's put it away, who lived for Jesus, who showed mercy and kindness instead of retaliating, who forgave when they were hurt, who wasn't a victim, but now became an advocate of love and grace and mercy, who's different from what the world responds. They looked at them and they see something different in them. Now I believe how you act, how you respond, how you live, the words that come out of your mouth. I believe, I thought you were weird, but now I know where you're coming from. And now Noah don't have to carry the consciousness that he closed the door and people died. Well, folks, listen to me. Jesus is our ark. He is our boat. He is our redeemer. He is our deliverer. Just as the boat delivered Noah, Jesus delivers you from your sin. And listen to me, there will come a day where God will close the door and there will be no hope. That's why every Sunday, no matter if I'm talking about marriage, relationships, how to win with their money, no, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. Every single Sunday, I stand here right now at this time and I beg you to give your life to Jesus because there is gonna come a day God will shut that door and it will be too late. And you're gonna say, God, didn't I believe and, and didn't I show up for church and didn't I serve and, and didn't I do the things that you wanted me to do? And, and you're gonna beg and say, let me in, let me in, but it's too late. 
And so that's why every Sunday I beg with urgency and fervency, give your life to Jesus while you still have time. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised another day. And I don't say that to scare you into the family of God. It's his grace and his love and his kindness to take a sinner like you and like me and forgives me. It's his kindness that draws me to him to go, I can't believe you would forgive me of all my sin. I deserve hell. I deserve to die. I deserve to drown. I deserve to be outside the boat. But God and his grace and his mercy took a foreigner and placed me in the family. Not because I was good. Because what his son did for me. And so I beg you, while you still have time, give your life to Jesus. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head just for a moment. Couple questions, how you living? The world's watching. They watch how we respond to pandemics. They watch how we respond to negativity. They watch how we respond to political uprisings. They watch, they watch us. People are watching us. How do we respond? We respond differently with love and grace and mercy and kindness and gentleness, self-control and goodness. It's called when we will live and walk in the spirit of God. People will go, you're different. You're kind of weird. You're kind of strange. Why? Because of Jesus. See, my God says, forgive you when you hurt me. My God says, love you even though you're my enemy. My God says, pray for you even though I don't like you. You see what I'm saying? We're different. It's weird. Let's go be a weird family that changes the world. Be a weird family that changes your family tree. Be a weird family that changes our communities and make them a better place. And then the second question I have, <laughs> have you given your life to Jesus? Have you got on the ark? Because <laughs> the door is still open. How do I know? Because you're here today and you're watching this online or in person and you have breath, you have hope. You don't know where I've come from. Don't matter where you come from. But you don't know how I live. Doesn't matter how you live. It's not about your goodness. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. You could be forgiven today. He says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus' heart, believe that he raised his son from the dead, you will be saved. From what? From God's wrath, from hell, from your sins. So I beg you, give your life to Jesus while there's time. Father, we thank you for your word thousands and thousands of years. Moses pins these words down on paper and tells a story that you inspired and you told him to tell. And it's amazing how we can take an old, old story and God, how your word is living and active and challenge us today in the 21st century. We think, Father, about our world and the violence and wickedness, but God, it's always, since sin entered the world, there's always been this violence and wickedness. And until you come back, there will not be true peace. But we can have peace while there may be hell on earth. And that's because we know you 
and knowing that our names are written in that great, great book of life and that you know us and that we are foreigners and aliens, that we are now citizens of the kingdom of God and this is not our home. But while we're here, may we live like your children that we live right, that we walk right, that we obey you fully, no matter the cost, and that we trust you, that your will will come to pass. For it's your name we ask and we pray.